Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. Keep abreast of what's happening in and around Fishers. Read my local Fishers Indiana news blog by going to www.LarryInFishers.com and follow me on Twitter at Larry in Fishers. Jocelyn Vare is the lone Democrat seeking an at-large Fisher City Council seat in this year's general election. I spoke with Jocelyn Vare at the Ignite Space, located on the lower level of the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers. Bring out the artist in you. Ask for a tour of the Ignite Space anytime the library is open. Just ask any member of the Ignite staff to provide a tour, and they'll be glad to do just that. I talked with Jocelyn Vare during the afternoon of Tuesday, October 15th. At the Hamilton East Library in the lower level of the Ignite space, I'm here with Jocelyn Vare. Jocelyn Vare is a Democrat. She is a candidate for Fisher's, Fisher's I got to say the word right, Fisher's <laughs> City Council at large. So Jocelyn, I'm sure you'll pronounce it Everything perfectly as opposed to the host here, but thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for the invitation, Larry. Thank you. And, uh, well, you've been involved in uh, Fisher's community activities for for many, many years uh, as a small business owner and as a volunteer, but there are a lot of people who may not know who Jocelyn Vare is. Mm -hmm. We have new people moving into the city all the time. Let's just start off by having Jocelyn Vare talk about who Jocelyn Vare is. Sure. I would love to. So first of all, why don't I uh, acquaint everyone to um, the the ballot on Election Day? Uh, That's why we're here. And then I'll also acquaint you a little bit, introduce my background and who I am. So as Larry mentioned, I am Jocelyn Vare, running for Fisher's City Council at large. I am a Democratic candidate, and I'm the only non-incumbent. Uh, I will appear on every resident's ballot on November 5th. And for half the city, uh, my race, uh, City Council at large, will be their only contest actually, that they will they will vote for. So um, that t- tells you a little bit about me. I've uh, on the ballot, I will share with you, I just learned the other day that I'm actually the very last name on your ballot. So saving the best for last, perhaps. So um, now a little bit about me. Um, I have been a Fishers resident for 21 years. As Larry mentioned, a community volunteer for, I think, over a decade. I think it's been 11 years. But if I can share with you a few of the amazing organizations that I've served for. Um, I started my community service um, on the board of the Historic Ambassador House. And then that led me to the Fisher's Arts Council, which led me to Fisher's Music Works, which led me to Nickel Plate Arts. Um, I have uh, participated as um, a committee member forming the Fisher's 2040 plan. I've been a co-chair for Spark Fishers for the last two years. I've managed arts crawls in our community, uh, worked with HSE schools for the referendum activities. So um, I love community service, and I, I think I'm a testament to how community volunteerism is addictive. The more you do it, the more you want to do it. Now, you left something off there 
and and I bring this up only for yes. the following reason, that you are a graduate of the Hamilton County Leadership Academy. And the reason I bring this up is that you and uh, Brittany Weinbar yes. did a podcast with me just very shortly after I started doing these podcasts in 2016. And I bring it up because even to this day, and I checked all my data just yesterday, that podcast I did with you and Brittany about uh, – Dating violence, and teen Adam dating Asen, violence. Too, Adam believe, was not on the podcast, no. but he was part of he the was part of our team. team but he was yes. not on the podcast. Uh, that is still the most listened to podcast in the history of my podcast. Oh, that makes me so, so happy. People were very interested in that subject. Well, and and if I may, Hamilton County Leadership Academy. I'm also a graduate of the Fisher City Government Academy. Um, But for HCLA, Hamilton County Leadership Academy, you do, uh, with a group of your fellow students, a community service project. And Larry was kind enough to do a podcast interview with us and my team about our project, which again, a few years ago, was about teen dating violence. And I'm very happy to hear that that was one of the most listened to podcasts for you because it was an eye-opening experience and a very important topic. And it's still up there if anybody wants to listen to it. And uh, there were some eye-popping data points that were discussed in that, but we'll move on from that. Um, First question for you, um, you're a business owner, as you've uh, mentioned with the long list, you've been a community volunteer for for many years. So with all that in mind, why did you choose to run for city council? Um, Maybe it just felt like the very next step. As I mentioned, I think community service is, at least for me, addictive. The more I learned, the more I wanted to contribute, the more... um, the more I felt that I could serve, the more I felt like there was to do. So for me, it was the very logical next step. It wasn't something I just popped into. It was something I thoughtfully um, uh, jumped into. However, um, I think for me, it was also the season of life I was in. I have two kids. They're both in their 20s, and they both graduated in May. So it felt like a new season. And, um, you know, maybe I wrote that last tuition check and just felt like, what's next for me? So um, so here I am. And this was, again, a, a thoughtful decision, but I know I can serve here in a great way. Well, for me, the great feeling was when I wrote the last check to pay for my second daughter's wedding. But that's, you know, that's kind another. The, the tuition <laughs> thing is the same. You have one daughter, so you may. Yes, you I may, have. Yes, may, she is my youngest. This may this may happen someday for you Not as well. Not soon, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> it will happen naturally. Uh, we're going to drill down on some of the issues that uh, you have talked about and written about sure. uh, through your campaign. But just tell me in, in uh, kind of a brief uh, summation the major issues you are highlighting in your campaign. Sure. Um, I th- I am resting on three big important topics in Fishers that not only do I feel need to be addressed today, but also uh, areas where I can contribute and help. So number one is uh, measured, fiscally responsible growth in our city. Secondly, an open door for residents to receive information and participate meaningfully. And thirdly, and maybe generally, just a common sense balance added to our city government and how decisions are made. So fiscally responsible growth, open door to residents and common sense balance. That's why I'm here. And we'll drill down on some of that here as we move along. But uh, you have um, written some letters that have been published recently mm-hmm. in local 
publications. And to sum, I think uh, to sum it up, uh, essentially you're castigating the city and the mayor for the handling of the entire budget process. So explain why you've been so critical of the way the mayor and the council are handling this year's budget process, yes. which is being done now for the year 2020. Correct. And I do feel strongly about this. I would say I'm not castigating, castigating anyone. But um, I I will say I'm very concerned about the way that the budget was presented and um, how the residents were engaged in it. So uh, my perspective on that is um, the public receives one opportunity to receive a public hearing on the proposed budget. And as you know, our city government, our mayor, and his city council uh, set that budget and um, also set our uh, property tax rate for the following year. Uh, residents like me have one opportunity to understand what is being proposed and react to it and digest it and uh, submit concerns or questions about it. Um, that for for many communities, that is a very transparent, open process where it is a specific meeting where the public it is well publicized and the public come to listen and it is, Frankly, I believe that for our mayor and the city council uh, recommending a property tax increase as they are for 2020, um, that should be a very serious matter and frankly, a very difficult day for them to be able to present uh, with accountability and responsibility why this must, um, why taxes must be increased. Um, the proposed budget for 2020 has our fifth consecutive property tax increase. Um, it has been substantial over the years, and as property values increase, it's kind of a double whammy. I was very disappointed that the uh, formal public presentation of the budget was uh, a, presented in a city council meeting and the mayor literally faced the council and not the public. I also felt that um, with, I strongly feel that the mayor needs to take responsibility and state very clearly that property taxes are proposed to be increased so that the public can react to that. Without clear information and frankly, without facing the public and making it clear, the public is in the dark. And if you're in the dark, you don't have a voice. So, well, yeah. now if, you're, if, you're, if you read Larry and Fisher, as you would know, <laughs> there was mm -hmm. a tax increase. And uh, the mayor does give the media a briefing as well, so we right. can report accurately on what's going on. Now, And that's appreciated. That's appreciated sharing with the media. But what's most important is sharing directly with the public. And I got a couple of questions on sure. that. Number one is that, uh, and I've heard you say this more than once, that you thought the mayor should be facing the public and not the council. Yes, I do. Now, I've been to a lot of budget meetings with a lot of the government agencies. I've never seen a mayor do that. This would be something very much out of the norm. Why do you think this should be a new practice? It, it, you are right. It is indeed out of the norm for fishers, but it is not out of the norm for other communities. So Carmel, for example, has a public uh, session that is even videotaped. Um, that is very transparent. Other communities, I'm trying to think, South Bend is one, that they had a series and it is a public meeting designed for the public. And I think 
really that's what's concerning me in in whole of our city government. Our residents should be put first. So that means facing them uh, and providing information that's easily understandable and clear. So you might you're right, uh, Larry. It, it hasn't been done that way. But I'm not a believer of just because it's always been that way, that that's the way it should be. We can do better than this. One other question on that, Mm -hmm. because uh, you are accurate. The last five years, there have been property tax rate increases. But also, the the response from the city officials would tell you that Fishers continues to have one of the lowest tax rates in the state, particularly for a city this size size or almost any city. So, do you think the city has been keeping tax rates low compared to what you're seeing in other cities like Fishers and just other cities in the state of Indiana? Right. I don't believe that there's much value in comparing our tax rate to other cities. Um, every city, I work with municipalities all over the state. Every city is unique. So I, I don't take a lot of value in comparing. Um, my daughter lives in Florida. She pays a lot more for gas than I do in Indiana. That doesn't mean I should be happy with how much I pay for gas in Indiana. It just means she pays more. Um, the other thing I'll mention about that comparison is the um, the mayor and the city council talk about our low tax rate. I want to be clear, though. They are talking about just parts of our tax rate. This is they're comparing uh, city unit tax rates, which is just a, a portion of what we pay. When you look at our complete package of taxes that Fisher's residents pay, it is not on the low side if you want to even do that comparison. So um, again, I don't take much stock in it. What what I do appreciate is some accountability of why our tax rate is what it is. Yeah, and if you look at it, I understand what you're saying, but if you mm-hmm. look at the entire property tax bill, and I read mm-hmm. that. Some sure. people actually do read yes. that. Obviously, Absolutely. you do. Uh, it includes the library, which we're in now. It includes the county. It includes uh, the schools, school system. Yes. Schools have had, uh, I think, either two or three referenda that Correct. have been passed. So that's a part of that. So when you look at the whole tax rate, the city only does have control over its own rate. Though. Correct. You would agree with that. The fiscal mm-hmm. conservatives of Hamilton County, that group endorsed you. I don't think they've ever endorsed a Democrat. I'm just curious. Did you seek their endorsement? Um, I have been. I mean, these are, I think, you know, some of the folks that are involved with that. Um, and it's a PAC, a political political action committee. Um, uh, those individuals that are involved with that PAC are uh, very um, active in the community and, and well-known. So these are uh, folks I've known for quite some time and certainly have interacted with them over, gosh, years, I believe. Um, what I found to be most surprising, well, first of all, you're exactly right. They have never endorsed a Democrat. Uh, so I am the first. However, I'm not sure if they have ever had the opportunity to endorse a Democrat, perhaps. So um, maybe that's not as notable as it sounds. I think, if I may, what is most notable is that um, I'm I am running against three uh, incumbent um, uh, candidate or uh, city council members who have sat on the city council for five years. And today they are uh, sharing with the community that they are fiscally responsible. And um, I think what is most notable about the 
fiscal conservatives of Hamilton, fiscal conservative, fiscal conservatives fiscal conser- of, of Hamilton, Hamilton County. County. Please forgive me. I usually use their acronym, which is a mouthful too. But I think what is notable about that organization's endorsement of me is actually what's surprising is that they did not endorse the incumbents who are calling themselves fiscally responsible and have served for five years and have a track record. I want to talk about another issue that you have raised, and that has to do with the amount of debt that the city of Fishers uh, has on Mm -hmm. the books right now. Now, um, I guess the question I would ask, and just so you know, it's I think it's in the area of $350 million. You can play with the figures. It could be a little yes. higher or lower. I'm, you know, I do taxes as for – I used to do taxes for a living, still teach it. So I know you can take numbers and you can play with them. Absolutely. But it's in that it's in that $300, $400 million category and you can, mm-hmm. you can look at it from different angles. But uh, with that in mind, you have, you've been concerned about the amount of the debt. What do you think for a growing city of 92000 plus – what would be a reasonable debt level for you? Um, that is a great question. And I think what's important is perhaps not what that figure is. As you said, you can look at it different ways and what the total debt obligation is for our municipality. But I think what's important to look at is the trend. So the debt has increased over the last five years at over So that's a remarkable increase over just five years. Um, My concern about that, I frankly, I don't have enough information to say if that number is acceptable or not. But what I am seeing is a trend. And what I certainly am seeing is that there is a lack of um, accountability or speaking or sharing with the residents information about what that debt has been um, uh, uh, ma- managed for. Um, I think the other concern about the trend of the increase is there must be a plan for uncertainty. Uh, we know that um, financial times have highs and lows. We know that some communities across the country are, are hit with, whether it be a natural disaster or um, economic downturn or an industry shortfall, something. Um, so the concern about increasing the debt, some 50% over five years, is that just to be sure that that is what's appropriate and that is what's best for the times that come in the future. You know, I, you and I have lived here for a while, and uh, you were here during the town days, as I was. Yes, and I was living here when there wasn't much of anything in Fishers. In fact, I always tell the joke that when my kids were little, if they wanted Dairy Queen, I had to go to Noblesville. I mean, there just wasn't much development here, uh, commercially anyway. The the uh, residential development was going gangbusters. But the reason I mention that is because if you talk to somebody in city government today, they will tell you that without incurring some debt, the development that we're seeing and have seen for a number of years simply would not have happened so, I mean, I assume you don't want to go back to the days when we didn't have oh, any. Oh gosh, kind of, of course not. So, so, just, so, what, so, just. I'm, but the question I'm asking here is, is just tell me how you would develop a city and not have a debt load such as the one, the the, the amounts that we've been talking about. Oh here. well, first of all, I'll clarify. Um, 
I don't think this is a, hey, either we incur a bunch of debt or or we don't and stay stagnant. It's not like that. And frankly, that's why I'm here is to introduce a new balance. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying necessarily the debt that we incurred has been um, unwise. I'm saying the residents don't have a lot of information about it. And there certainly has been a trend that the debt keeps increasing. That's a concern. Um, I'm So fiscally responsible measured growth is what's important. And that may mean slowing things down to be very, cons- um, very thoughtful, very conscientious about the development that is happening in our community. I am uh, here to serve and create a balance. And the development that we should be receiving here in Fishers must be reflective of our community. So my concern about debt and development is I understand from the information that I've received from the mayor and his city council is that this is the way that our community will be economically sound for the future. And I understand how development works. I professionally work with economic development organizations across the state. Um, However, I need to get some information and balance against that statement with why our taxes are going up. So to me, those are two things that need to be resolved. And I am looking for our mayor and city council to provide um, very accountable, responsible information uh, so that the residents are part of this development, part of the community's growth, and not just being affected by it. Now, uh, on the issue of development, and this this was brought out in some of the, what you have brought out in your campaign, particularly at the League of Women Voters Forum that happened recently, uh, you have argued the city has not supported locally owned small businesses. You gave the example of the recent uh, mm-hmm. uh, demolishing of a number of buildings to make way for the newest development in, in downtown Fishers. So uh, I guess the question I'm asking is, uh, do you think that there are situations where older buildings such as that, which have businesses in them and, and did receive settlements to relocate if they choose to do so, uh, do you would you have refused that development and kept the businesses there, or would you have handle it the way the city did, give them the business owners uh, a settlement where they can relocate if they choose to do so or just go on to something else. So uh, because you've made that an issue, how do you envision looking at uh, developments uh, such as the one that's under construction? Sure. So again, for me, I advocate for a balance, especially in a downtown district, Um, a balance of the type of – businesses, development, green space, uh, parking, that all has to be very thoughtfully and conscientiously uh, crafted. Um, We can see by what is happening with our downtown district and, of course, all the development um, uh, attention and initiatives have been focused in our Nickel Plate district, our downtown district, uh, right now, it is clear that the environment has been created uh, by our city leaders so that some businesses are chosen to thrive while others are being uh, put in a situation where they must be disruptive, disrupted or need to dislocate or relocate or some even uh, frankly, pick up and move to different communities. So um, I don't 
see why we couldn't have created a balance in our downtown district uh, to have uh, locally owned small businesses. And I advocate for small businesses. I am one. I especially advocate for women-owned businesses. Something in our downtown feels lopsided to me. And um, as a small business owner, I have looked at the available uh, space for small businesses to um, find a home in our downtown district. And because of the way that the development has been managed, First of all, uh, there's not a lot of spaces available, and there's not a lot of spaces for small businesses that are the appropriate size and, frankly, the affordable rate that a small business can create. So um, in a nutshell, again, I keep coming to balance. The the downtown, I think, had an amazing opportunity to be a very balanced space with small businesses, women-owned businesses, boutiques, and other uh, uh Uh, small businesses that are, frankly, our small businesses are our local advocates, Um, in addition to some new businesses and big corporations coming in, which I find very valuable, but it's the balance that we're missing. Something on your your website caught my attention, because in that one passage that I read, you say that Fishers has lacked a community spirit Mm -hmm. since becoming a city. Now, I've lived here since 1991, and, and I'll just be honest, I didn't see a change in the community spirit at the time we became a city. I think that's evolved in other ways because a community is a lot more than your city government or the organization of it. So I'm curious why you feel there was a change in community spirit. I mean, I didn't necessarily feel that. Obviously, you do. What caused you to to reach that conclusion? Um, I have said before that um, in a, in a – in a nutshell, what is motivating me is Fishers used to be a town and now it's a city, but now it's time to be a community. A community can only be grown with engagement from the people who live here. And I do feel that there is a opportunity for a community spirit Uh, that is unifying and celebratory of who our community is, what Fishers is. Um, I am very honored to be a member of the Fishers Arts and Culture Commission. And that is one of the things that this commission is charged with, is to how can we use art and culture and diversity to celebrate and create a spirit and sense of community here in Fishers. I do correlate uh, lack of community engagement with the growth of community spirit, and I do correlate community engagement with how our city leaders uh, have a relationship with our residents and how information is shared, how ears are listening to what our residents have to say. And there has been uh, instant, uh, moments in the last just few years where I feel clearly that uh, our city leaders are not listening to what residents have to say or not giving them the opportunity to react, provide feedback in a meaningful way. And that is divisive instead of unifying. 
want to get one more question in here because this really does relate to the city council. Specifically, you have accused the city council of basically being a rubber stamp for the mayor. Now, you cite some statistics, and I understand that, you know, I'll just be quite honest with you. I started covering town government in 2012, Mm -hmm. and I saw these were all Republicans. We've had nothing but Republican elected officials before and after that. And they got into more arguments than I ever expected them to. They were more no votes than I thought. But you have – it has been your observation that – there is a basically a rubber stamp that most of the votes are unanimous. And that is true. Most of them are. Some of uh, the issues are more or less controversial than others. For instance, if you're voting on a voluntary annexation, probably not a very controversial issue. Everybody's agreed to do that. Uh, so my question to you is, is explain to me how you came to the conclusion that in your view – the city council has been a rubber stamp for the mayor. Well, to define rubber stamp is simply, um, it's a phrase that simply means to approve without due consideration or due diligence or scrutiny. So um, I have participated and viewed many, many city council meetings in Fishers over many years now. And um, I could see that, um, my observation was, hey, there were many, uh, actually here, I'm going to check my notes here to be sure I'm saying this correctly. Um, in the last year, and this is just an evaluation of the last 12 months, 100% of all of the motions that have come to city council have been approved, 92% without a single no vote, less than 2% of all the votes cast, which would be over 900 votes were nays. So a no vote is very rare. Um, But here's the part. So for me, just looking at the data, that says to me um, things are being approved by the city council uh, uh, across the board. And I think that is attributable to the city councilors all being uh, part of the the mayor's team. And in fact, uh, just the other day, uh, there was an article that it was stated um, in the current newspaper um, that, uh, frankly, John Wexler commended our city government for not acting like a regular city government, and it was more like a CEO and a board. Well, I'm here to tell you our city council is supposed to represent the people and not to serve as a board for a CEO. The That is very concerning to me, and I think that's how residents are feeling, that they're losing their voice. Here's the other fact I want to share. 27% of the time uh, at a city council meeting, 27% of the time, it has been voted on by the city council to suspend the rules and just skip from a first reading to a third reading, which means from uh, skip in that moment in a matter of minutes from a... uh, uh, matter to be introduced and provided a final vote on. What that does when you suspend the rules, it shortcuts two months, uh, at least two months, of uh, the opportunity for residents to provide feedback and probably most importantly for city council to learn from residents how they feel about that matter. And it does take a unanimous vote of the, of the council true. to suspend the rules. And that, that, has, that has certainly been done. You are correct on that. Well, 30 minutes goes very quickly when you have a number of issues. So I'm going to give you the last question, which is the same for every candidate that I I talk with. 
uh, just give me your two-minute speech. Let's say you're meeting someone on the street, and they say, uh, Ms. Vera, I've looked at you. I've looked at your opponents. And uh, just get, I've got just got a couple of minutes here. Explain to me why I should vote for you. What would your answer be? As I said, there are three pillars that I am running for. And uh, measured, fiscally responsible growth, an open door, a new open door for residents to receive information and participate meaningfully, and a new common sense balance. I've said the word balance, I think, five times during the last 30 minutes, if not more. Um, but that's important. And frankly, we are a community of over 90,000 people. And we are a diverse community. And without, with only having one viewpoint and one unified viewpoint representing you on city council, I know that our residents are not being represented as well as they could be. That's why I'm running. It requires new leaders, new leaders and new voices to boldly deliver some common sense balance and um, accountability and responsibility is what Fisher's needs right now. So I'm, I'm trying my best to earn your vote and your trust. Fisher's belongs to you, to the residents. And um, I'm not an incumbent. I'm not beholden to any city official and I'm not a part of a team. Um, but I am the one who is on your team. And I would love to earn your vote on November 5th and represent you. And there's early voting available as well and absentee voting, just so correct, people know. And correct, I, and, and, uh, early voting uh, starts on October 23rd at the Fishers City Hall. It's been going on in Noblesville as we record this, and we'll be coming to Fishers City Hall. Jocelyn Ver, Democrat, candidate for Fishers City Council and at-large seat. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Larry. Privilege. This podcast has been brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. My local news blog follows news in and around the Fishers area, so check it out. Once again, find it at LarryInFishers.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at LarryInFishers. My name is Larry Lannon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.